Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks to uh, the worship team. That, that's just awesome this morning. Thank you. Yep. All the work that you guys put out during the week, uh, we do so appreciate it. Major effort. Wow, welcome to fall, right? These past several mornings, um, it's been nice. I mean, Friday, heading out to uh, work the swing shift at the golf course at 6 a.m., it was 44 degrees. Usually, usually it's a whole lot warmer. Now, earlier in the week, it would be like 83, but 44 degrees. I was lucky I thought ahead and, and quite a while ago packed a warm-up in the back of my trunk. Because usually the old guys that are on the golf course with me all have jackets on and it's 80. So I felt right at home with them. I got mine on as they're wearing their parkas. So it, it was great. It's great. Um, one thing to pray for is all the wildfires that are going on in this state and up in Oregon. Um, I know like Thursday night, Thursday night, a lady that works for me sent me a text and, and was asking for prayer. The fires were like a mile away from her sister's house. And in the morning she called me up and let me know that her sister had a few hours to grab everything that was important to her and get out and her sister lost her house. So she's now living with her son in Chico because uh, this, I guess this is a northern fire, but it's affected. Um, Chris's father, you know, and, and, and their farm up in Oregon, I believe, was affected or close to it. Um, so just remember them in prayer. Um, I don't think Sal's living anything right now. Uh, I think they're mostly done, and he was, he was saved. Um, so with all that going on, it's great to be here and to be amongst the body of, of, of Christ. And good to have all of you here today. Well, and today we're going to finish up this tremendous book, Ephesians. And I hope you all have thoroughly enjoyed this letter Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Uh, it was great to be in the position that Al and I were to really go deep in this book and in getting to the heart of it. And also, our, our community group on, on Wednesdays, we got to go into these to these message. We would look at each sermon passage in depth. And, and what I mean is my challenge to them was to read and reread every passage that we went through at a message at least 10 times, look at all the cross-references, and um, even some of them I noticed searched out some really God-centered um, organizations and, and used the research they did on the passage. And then number one, pray to God so much about this. So we got to go through that, um, and, and we're going to finish up this week. Um, and, and we think about the Gospels and also the epistles or the, the letters that are written to the churches. We need to remember that what we're seeing in the Bible is not written hundreds of years after the fact. These are, these are firsthand accounts. Uh, Peter Williams of the White Horse Inn wrote an article entitled, Can We Trust the Gospels? In this article, he stated, 
Whenever you date the Gospels, and I'm going to add the epistles in with this statement here, it's important to see that we are dealing with first-generation material that comes from a time close to the events they report, rather than decades or hundreds of years later. Otherwise, you wouldn't get the consistent quality and detail that we find in them. And sometimes I think that we forget that we are getting very factual first-person accounts in the books of the Bible, which is important because uh, you see what was written and it's not refuted. It's not refuted. So what we see is people that actually experienced walking with Jesus or like Paul ministering in his name, telling us not only us, but telling all of eternity what they witnessed firsthand, or as others, like Luke, tell us first how to count of, of the people that have been with Jesus. So if we look at the Gospels and see who wrote them, we had Mark. This was the first book, book written, and it was written by this guy, Mark, who we see in the Bible as a real young man. Mark had been with Jesus, if you remember, he was the first streaker ever recorded. It was the Garden of Gethsemane. They grabbed his linen garment, and he broke free and ran away. But what he's sharing in Mark is this first-hand account that he got from Peter. Matthew, Matthew had been with Jesus as a disciple, and so he's sharing his first-hand account. Luke... Luke shared a first-hand account from Paul. John, he was also a disciple, and he, like Peter, was closer than most disciples to Jesus. And so John shared his account firsthand. And the letters or the epistles that we hear about, mostly written by Paul, are first-hand accounts of his travels and his knowledge that he gained from his three years that he spent studying the scriptures and being witness to about what they meant by the Holy Spirit. Because you got to imagine, you had Paul, this top-notch Bible scholar who was zealous for the scriptures. And after his conversion, going through them again, he started seeing Jesus in these scriptures. And he saw the great love of God and the Father and the God the Son had for us, and this Holy Spirit bore witness to him of all these facts. So Paul saw the love of God in a new and miraculous way. So today, we're going to finish up, not a whole lot. We're going to go through Ephesians 6.21 through 24. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for your word. It's your way of communicating your love and your commands to us. May we never lose sight of that. May we never lose sight that you're a God that loves and gives grace, and you want to have that communion with us, that holy time of where we can come to you before you and go through your word, pray it back to you, and just see you work. We thank you for this letter you sent from Paul and the Holy Spirit to the church in Ephesus and others, even so that 
we get to read it now and see your truths in it. Father, I just want to lift everybody up that's here, lift everyone up that couldn't make it, lift up our community and our leaders to you as we go through this difficult phase in our history. We don't know what you have at work, Father, but just help us to be ready every day to be there, to stand the gap, to, to show your love to someone. We thank you so much for your love for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians 6, 21 through 24. It says, So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved father and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Now, what struck me going through this, I, I don't know how many times I've read this, but one time it finally struck me, and it's those last two words, love incorruptible. And with many of the letters, Paul ends with the truth of grace of God, faith, peace, and love. But in Ephesians, Paul does these again in verses 23 through 24, but this time he adds in verse 24, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. What beautiful two words. It's telling us that this love is pure, it's perfect, and it's eternal. In a corrupt society, God's love could not be corrupted. And this must be of great importance to us um, because this demonstrates to us that God's love for us has no beginning, it has no end, it is pure and perfect. So, as we look back at Ephesians, we see that Paul's great love for God and the grace that Paul was given from Jesus Christ and the lifelong fellowship he would receive for the Holy Spirit is taught here. Grace was a big part of Paul's redeemed life and is a driving theme in Paul's ministry. And in this letter in particular, Paul begins this with grace. In Ephesians 1, chapter, I mean, chapter 1, verse 2, he teaches on grace on Ephesians 1 and verses 6 and 7. He notes salvation as being by God's grace, and that's in Ephesians 2, 5, verses 7 and 8, and then in chapter 3, verse 2. Paul calls himself a minister of grace, and that's in Ephesians 3, 7 and 8. He teaches us that grace is a gift of God in Ephesians 4, 7. And words are to give grace to others. Words 
that we speak are to give grace to others. Ephesians 4.29. And it ends here with giving grace to all believers. Why is that important, do you think, for Paul to share? Well, we know Paul had personally experienced grace and he received salvation. We read that in Acts chapter 9, that miraculous time that Paul had on the road to Damascus. So he committed the rest of his life to communicating this wonderful plan of salvation. We see that in Romans 1.16 to others. Paul wanted everyone to know about this great love that was able to forgive a sinner like him. And I'd say he's still doing a great job of that today. You think about this. People in the 21st century are still being witnessed to Paul's sharing. So this love that we learned about in Ephesians is so timely, especially now in, in history. And if we look back to chapter 4 in Ephesians, we see why. Because Paul's teaching us about unity in the body of Christ. So remember, like we talked about then, this was a revolutionary idea. This was brand new. This is unhiding what God had planned from the very beginning. To think that all of a sudden the temple was done away with. And the temple was now this body of Christ. We as believers are the building blocks. Um, and we are to function in our roles as this body of believers and cheer others on for the gifts they have in the body. And Jesus has equipped us through the Holy Spirit to minister to others and to build up this body of Christ. And we are to be gladly give up our old life, gladly give it up to walk in this new eternal life. And in chapter 5, that we saw that this new eternal life we are in, we are to walk in love. We are to walk in love and we are to imitate Christ and how he gave himself up for us. This means we are to forsake everything of this world, all filth, foolish talk, and instead walk in light. So we need to continually look to the future and look to our lives in heaven and every day seeking to be obedient to God. I know here's my broken record speech I tell you over and over again, but it helps to start your day acknowledging your Savior, reading His Word, knowing His Word, and therefore ensuring you're ready, especially in times like this, you're ready for whatever people or situation He sends your way. Now in Ephesians 5.16, Paul tells us to make the best use of our short time here on earth. We are to walk as the wise and not the unwise. With these reminders in our daily briefings with Jesus, we can walk in this world as wise people, ready to take on whatever is sent our way. So the key point in living in awe or living in fear of God should guide our obedience for his plan for our earthly living. And then we get to verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. Paul tells us to submit to one another out of fear, or you could use the word reverence. 
And then he goes on to guide us through Holy Spirit living. 521 starts Holy Spirit living. And then we move on through 5 and into 6. And it says, how to live in a marriage, how to raise our children, our behavior in our career fields, either as the boss or the employee. And then in this small section is a powerful guidance how to live our lives in this behavior. And then last week, Al went over with us this awesome gift of armor that God gave us. And we're given this as believers. And we see there are a lot of defensive weapons to use, but we learned that we are to get very good at using our offensive weapon in the armor of God, and that's the sword of the Spirit. And we learned that the sword in those days, I remember when I was younger, I always thought it was like the big, huge broadsword. But the term here is it was no longer than about 18 inches and used in close combat and used to exploit the weakness in your opponent's armor and give very precise strikes. And we're to do that with the Word of God. We're to know it, we are to use it, and use it to diffuse situations, and use it to help our, our fellow man know Jesus. Also in chapter 6, we learned that we are to pray at all times to the Holy Spirit. We are to stay alert, and we need to preserve, or preserve, you could say, keep praying despite all difficulties or lack of immediate response. You're to keep praying despite the difficulties or the lack of immediate response and pray for all the saints and that when we open our mouth in those difficult times, we need to pray that the Holy Spirit provides the words for us. So when we follow these examples, we follow the guidelines for the Holy Spirit living. And you say, why is that important? Besides being commanded, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 13. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 through 13. Listen to this passage in light of our present day and how we're to reflect Christ. Paul wrote, but as servants of God, we, command, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. 
widen your hearts also. So we are to focus on this love eternal, this love incorruptible and separate and be separate from this world. We are part of the body of Christ and we are told not, we are told not to be part of this world. In 2 Corinthians 16, 14, it tells us, it says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord does Christ have with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple or body of Christ have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. Paul concluded his letter to the Ephesians with four precious gospel words. He said, peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all of you who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. These are four of the most important words you'll ever hear. Peace, love, faith, and grace. And what about that whole last sentence together? Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. How beautiful, how absolutely beautiful, and how fitting that the letter to the Ephesians would end with that phrase, love incorruptible. This eternal love we have with God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just want to thank you so much for this book, this letter that you had sent to the Ephesians and just what a perfect book it was. It opened so many dark veiled plans that you had that we couldn't see before that you brought into the light. This fact that we are all part of the body of Christ, that we are loved by you. We thank you so much for this. We thank you for just this ability to have communion with you. We thank you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen.